Welcome to the C2C Podcast. I am your host, Derek Anderson. After holding my first event in 2010, I went on to create Startup Grind, a 400-chapter community based in over 100 countries. Along the way, I discovered the greatest marketing tool of all time, your customers. Yet, I couldn't find anyone sharing how to build a community where people could experience your brand in person or at scale. On this show, we talk with the brightest minds and companies on the planet about how to build customer-to-customer marketing strategies and create in-person experiences for your brand and customers before your competitor does. Our next guest, Jen Dolsky, has had a great career. She's worked in senior positions at Yahoo, Google, Change.org, and was previously the head of groups and community at Facebook. In addition to that, she founded Deal Maps, which was acquired by Google. She recently launched her new book, Purposeful, Are You a Manager or a Movement Starter?, which breaks down how to build a movement around your cause and community. In this interview, we talk about just that and her favorite example of people and brands that have created movements, how it applies to community professionals, and so much more. Take a listen. Jen, can you describe what your book, Purposeful, is all about? Sure. So I wrote Purposeful because after spending years working at change.org and then helping to lead community for Facebook, I had this realization that all of us have the power to be movement starters, to change things in the world that we want to change. And I saw regular people doing this every day and following a very similar set of steps. And I wanted to share those steps and the lessons I had learned with more people so that they could do it themselves. Could you just walk me through or just tell me about how an ordinary person could actually start a movement? It sounds like such a big thing it to do. It does. It sounds big, but the really interesting thing is every single movement that exists starts with a single person or a small group of people and a relatively small action. Even, you know, I break down in the book the, you know, the disability rights movement, the civil rights movement, the gay marriage, marriage equality movement, each of them have these like moments where individual people stood up and catalyzed something. And so what I say is that the beginning of starting a movement is actually just garnering the courage to get started and take that first small action. It can be starting a petition. It can be starting a fundraiser. It can be starting a community, a group, even just emailing your friends. That initial step is the hardest part. Do you think you can, uh, can you manufacture a movement? Is there, how much of it is like just doing something and how much of it is like right place, right time, like luck? You know, I mean, certainly there's luck involved with everything in this world, but I think it is easier to manufacture a movement than people realize because the elements are the same. So what I walk through in the book is once you get the courage and take that small action, then you lay out a clearly articulated vision. You mobilize people, which is what community builders do all the time. And the key thing is knowing what you want, what you want your movement to achieve. If you can be clear about that and you know the the people that you need to persuade, there are ways to do that. Now, it doesn't mean that every movement that gets started will be successful and certainly not right away because movements take time. Sometimes they take decades, but Getting something to build into a movement is doable by most people. This is, seems to be a huge trend of companies putting community at the center of their business. But why do you think it's happening now? Well, I think the world 
is longing for community. You know, we are in a state where loneliness is a bigger problem than it's ever been. They now say loneliness is deadlier than obesity. It's wow. equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And so people long for that human connection and they can build it around almost anything. I mean, I have, you know, at Facebook, I helped support tens of millions of community leaders and they built community around everything you can possibly imagine. My favorite actually was called Back of the Pack. It's a group of people who really like to run, but run really slowly. And so they like, you know, all run together at the back of the pack, like whatever you can think of, you can build community around it. And you, um, you've written about it and it's with change.org, you were part of so many of these things. You also have built the community around Purposeful. You know, you write a book, you have these thoughts, you, you know, have these experiences, you want to share frameworks and other things. Like, how do you then turn that into some, you know, physical thing that people that actually get behind it? Right. So, well, it does take work. I'll be honest about that. And most communities just wake up and know people bang on your door yeah. to be part of your community. Um, so I started a, a group. It's a Facebook group. People can find it at facebook.com slash group slash purposeful book. And the reason I started it was because I also wanted more people to have access to the content and other people to support them, even if they didn't read the book. Like I just want as many people as possible to get access to this. And it does though take work to lead that community. So it's small, you know, right now there's only probably 500 people in it and it's active when I'm in there, you know, getting you know, driving engagement, as with most communities, they need a host, they need a community builder. And I think once they get bigger, they tend to take on a life of their own and purposeful is on its way there. In the book, you talk about sort of five stages of engagement. I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about that. And what, like, if I'm a, a business, you know, or running a community inside of a business, how could I use some of those to help my yeah, customers? So the five stages of engagement, the principle here is that businesses and organizations are often these days asked to do things by their customers. We live in a world where, you know, consumers demand more than ever that companies be accountable, that they're good for the environment, that they treat people well, that their products are, you know, fair and good. And so some companies are better than others at listening to their own customers. And the five stages of engagement, which starts with denial of not listening at all and ends with empowerment. The companies that make the most progress here are the ones that not only listen and engage with their customers, but actually empower their customers to act on their behalf. So a good example here is when Virgin America, the former airline, wanted to get some gates at a new airport that we're opening. They started a petition and they got their own customers to sign it and say, yes, we want you at this airport. And then they won those two gates. It's worth tens of millions of dollars to them. Wow. And they engaged their own customers on their behalf. I feel like many years ago you spoke at Startup Grind and something that you said in there was put in a video that's become like the most watched video, you know, we've had is like talking about Startup Grind. I feel like you just now have like laid out exactly what the customer to customer podcast is about is just what you just said, which is like empowering these people to succeed professionally and personally with your brand. That's and right. if if you are thoughtful about that, like it can have huge, huge business impact. And that's right. it's also the right thing to do. And it's also good for the world. But that's right. Absolutely. And I've seen it so many times in companies that take these steps to build communities. One of um one of the examples I love is actually surprisingly Starbucks. They mm. have a group called the Leaf Rakers 
Society or something like this that is about people who love fall and they all love that the pumpkin spice latte is coming out and they get together in this community. And sure, they talk about Starbucks a lot, but Starbucks isn't there. They're not directing it, they're just encouraging this. And some of it is sharing recipes and so forth, but some of it is, you know, my grandmother just died and she loved, you know, to do this thing and have this recipe. And so I bought you know, I went to Starbucks and I did this in her honor. And it's really, really great for the brand at building evangelists to let them come together. You did a great job. Just, I know you weren't trying to sell it, but it made me feel like I should be part of it. <laughs> it I'm, uh, in it. I'm in the group. <laughs> um, so, you know, part of the art of building a community is really motivating the people behind it. And, you know, it is an art of working with these people and helping these people. Like, how do I balance like pushing growth or wanting it to be become a movement and also just, you know, like not pushing these people too hard. Yeah. The lesson I have here that has helped me the most comes from my time as a coxswain on the crew team. I was a, I don't know if people know what this is, but the person who sits in the back of the boat where people row and many people think they just say stroke, stroke, but actually you strategize the race and you pace the team and you're like a coach in the boat to them. And Coxswains use a technique that's called the power 10, which is like the team's already rowing pretty hard, as hard as they can, but you can call 10 strokes where they're just going to go all out. And you have to think about how many times in a given race you can do that. And after experimenting with that a lot, I realized usually it's just one or two, right? Like teams can't do, you just can't push them too hard. But if you do zero, you will lose because the, to win and to really create something and especially to create a movement, your community does have to be able to step up and push a little bit harder. So it's important to understand that pacing and you know only call so many power tens, if you will. You talk in the book about the power of data and as a community builder, I'm constantly trying to, like I'm doing it because I love it and I'm doing it because I feel innately that's the right thing to do, but how should I or can I use data to really build value or to prove the value of what I'm actually doing. Yeah, I think it depends a little bit on, you know, the business if you will, but one of the things I look at, um, we did a lot of research at Facebook about the difference between a community and a meaningful community that really matters to people, and we found there are three factors that are highly related to meaningful community from the data side. One is what we call intentional time. So are people choosing to spend time there? They're not just coming across it in a feed, but they're coming to you to spend time in your community online. Sort of like direct traffic or something? Yeah, sure. Um, Direct traffic would be a good indicator or opening your app if you have an app, that kind of thing. The second is about engaged activity. So are they not just there, but are they commenting, posting, reacting to the content that's there in some way? And the third is about connection density. So, and this may not be as true for business, but if you want your community to be successful, it's more successful when people actually feel connections with each other. So different communities might measure that in different ways. It might be, are you friends? It might be, do you follow each other? Um, Yeah. So those are things I'd look at to measure if your community is successful as a community. And then for business metrics, you might look at other things. In terms of online versus in real life or customer to customer direct interactions, can you talk about the value that you've seen created 
offline versus you've built some really amazing online uh, communities. But have you seen online play or offline play a role in in all of those? Some of those that like well- I think offline play just plays a huge, hugely important role. Um, and when we were thinking about the vision of sort of the ideal state of community, in my mind, they all have online and offline components. And it's not feasible, of course, to get everybody, if your community is very large together in person, it can be costly and so forth. But there's just something about the power of real physical connection, looking people in the eye, being able to give them a hug or those kinds of things, that's really powerful. Um, And most successful communities, we've seen looking at the data find some way to do both what's a community that you love why do you love it yeah so when i first got to facebook i joined a few communities to see if i could have that experience of finding meaningful community myself and the one that has become most meaningful to me is a group called grown and flown parent which is for parents of you know kids who are from 15 to 25 so i have two teenage kids and a lot of this is about the sending of your kids off to college. And this is an example of where online community can be super powerful because people send their kids far, far away. And I've seen it happen numerous times where something will happen to someone's kid and they're not nearby. So at one point there was a mom who lives in in Pennsylvania and her daughter was in college in Texas and she got in a car accident. And the mother posted into this group, I just got a text and my daughter is being rushed to the ER and I'm thousands of miles away. And within minutes, there were dozens of people posting, I live in Texas, I'm a nurse, I'll be at the ER in half an hour. Oh my goodness. Like so powerful. And when you have a kid, like my child goes to school across the country, it's really meaningful to find a community like that. I need to find a community like that, but for two to 10 year olds and that I can like say like, Hey, is there somebody that can walk, you know, I there take are. my kid to school or, you know, <laughs> there are, there's communities. <laughs> there probably are. You're probably things. right. I mean, seriously, I could tell you if you were a beekeeper that plays the clarinet, there is a community for you. So somewhere <laughs> for you to for belong two to 10 year olds. I think we got that covered. Somebody does. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this. If you'd like to see more about how to create your own event community, go to bevylabs.com slash pod. Again, that's B-E-V-Y-L-A-B-S dot com slash pod.